guys welcome it is uh well it's wednesday uh that's when we record for thursday episodes i was gonna say it's thursday but it's not um and i have here with me uh, my good friend nate um he's here this week uh he's gonna join us nate please say hello hey everybody Yep, that's Nate. Uh, my name's McCarty. Uh, this is the first of all podcast. We do this every week. Uh, we put out new episodes thir- on Thursdays. They're about 30 minutes long. Uh, if you guys like it and you want to keep listening, um, then share it. Tell your friends about it. Um, let them know how hilarious and how wonderful and how clean our podcast is. We would love that. Um, Nate, do you have anything else to say? Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned clean. I love that. I You don't even think about that, but we do have a very clean, audience-friendly podcast. Yes, we do. We do that very intentionally, um, and it's something we pride ourselves in, uh, on, I should say. And we're going to go ahead and get started. Nate, I, uh, I have something very important that I would like to, uh, I'd like to share with you. So give me a second. Just listen to this real quick. Did you wow. hear that? It's amazing. Yeah, I uh, I realized I, f- I have a glass. <laughs> I have a glass. Yes, I do at my apartment. Um, and I have ice and I put water in it. And uh, today's going to be an episode that I drink water. I drink water with ice in it while we record, and I feel very special about it. It sounds like prestige. I I've often thought that. I've said it. I've thought it. Um, yeah, and I feel good. It's actually in a huge, uh, pint glass that you would typically pour a beer into. Um, I don't drink and have never tasted beer. Don't know what it tastes like, but I feel like I'm getting a good use out of this mug. So the only glass that you actually own is designed to hold beer. That's correct. Yeah. I got it as like a party favor, I think one time. Um, and it was like a one competition or something, which, you know, who's surprised about me winning i'm not um but yeah it was a it was like a party favorite thing and i've never used it i had to clean it truthfully i had to clean it right before we started recording because it was disgusting it'd been sitting in my cabinet for a long time but here we are uh, and i feel very fancy so what are your what are your other uh options to put a to put any kind of beverage in plastic cups you know i'm a single tw- young young guy in his 20s and um i have lots of plastic cups from Anything like an old pizza place that's not even open anymore in my hometown, generic ones from Target, um, you know, a couple restaurants that I found in, on vacations, things like that. You know, very plastic oriented in my in my household. You and I, uh, we had we did have some some good uh, cups for beverages, but we also really utilize the hot box cups that come with the with the hot box order. That's right. Yeah, Hotbox is a pizza place in Indianapolis where we went to uh, college, and you could get their breadsticks. Um, their breadsticks were amazing. Uh, that's that's really the only word I can use to describe them. Uh, and they had this cheese sauce that I believe was one of the more unhealthy things that we ate, but also one of the more delicious things that we ate. And uh, if you ordered a drink, they had plastic cups that came with them. And, uh, yeah, they were, they were really good cups. Uh, actually, truthfully, Nate, I don't even know what happened to all those cups. I don't either. Cause we had a good man, 50. Yeah. 50. It's like, that sounds like a lot, but that's probably how many we had. And when we moved out of our house, I don't know what happened. Did you take them? I have no idea. I haven't seen them since. 
Then that is a mystery. Um, so you guys should know if you've been keeping up that me and Nate were just with each other this weekend. If you don't know, me and Nate don't live near each other now. We live multiple states away. Um, but I took a vacation to go see Nate um, at his home. We were going to record together there. We had hyped it up far too much uh, in the weeks prior, and we were really excited about it. And then when we got to each other, um, for one, we didn't really like block out much time to record. It doesn't take us that long, but we were pretty busy the whole um, four days that I was there. Uh, And then also we realized that the conversation that we would have probably wouldn't be much different than if we were just recording remotely as we normally do. Um, So we have a confession to make, and that is we did not record a show live together, um, which is an oxymoron. I feel like I had to say that every time. Um, But Nate, I feel like you, you should also apologize. Yeah, I do apologize. It was my fault. We were on the way home from 18 holes of golf, which is, I mean, it's a lot of work to do 18 holes of golf. And I just kind of thought to myself, essentially, we would just be sitting across from each other. And and McCarty made a good point. Our mics would probably pick up what the other person was saying. So it just ultimately didn't seem to make sense. It didn't. And uh, but we're still recording. You know, we're still here this week. Uh, We're happy to be here, as always. Um, I noticed something that Nate said to me and another friend of mine actually said it to me too, when I was getting on the plane to go to Indiana. And then also when I was returning from Indiana and that is Nate said, be safe. I said like I'm boarding or I'm, I'm we're taking off, whatever. Uh, Nate said, be safe. And I appreciate the sentiment. I do. It's a very nice thing to say. I think Nate genuinely cares about my safety, especially on trips when I'm coming to see him. And I did appreciate it. What I did realize is that I basically have zero control over whether I'm safe on this airplane or not. I mean, I can protect myself, I believe, but if the plane is going to crash, there's no way the last thing that goes through my head is Nate saying, be safe. And then I would remember, oh, shoot, you're right. I'm supposed to somehow be safe in this area or in this circumstance. And Nate, I want you to know, I appreciated you saying that I I genuinely did, but there's also nothing I really could have done to be safe. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So I I just thought that it was important that I've, I told you that I appreciated it. Um, But when you or anyone listening thinks about telling somebody some sort of final words before they get on an airplane or before they take a long drive, something like that. Come up with something a little bit more profound or something that, you know, uh, will be famous last words or something, you know, tell me, I think you look good in red or something like that. Something that, that really motivates me as I board the plane or as I take on this next endeavor, because I can't really control being safe, you know? Well, first of all, the the be safe doesn't cover you. It's not really meant to cover anybody who you say it to. It really is a base that, that covers the person who is saying it. You know, it's like, I care. I'm going to say be safe. There's nothing that they can do about it, but I want them to know that I want them to be safe. But secondly, th- there are some steps you can take. You know, if you're if you go down an airplane, you're going to realize, oh, I didn't listen to the flight attendant at all during that safety demonstration. I was I had my headphones in. You know, I do know. And I think that everybody could pretty much tell, like, if you were hired out of nowhere to provide that safety demonstration, let's say United Airlines 
came up to me on the plane and was like, you know what? I'll give you a hundred dollars off your next flight. If you could give us the safety demonstration accurately, I think I could do it 10 out of 10 times and I could make it such a performance that people would buy extra tickets to get on my plane to see my safety demonstration because it's always the same for one and two there's not much you can do on the plane to be safe as i just mentioned like the seat is a flotation device the little masks are going to drop down from the ceiling if we lose oxygen we're all going to panic anyway so that's probably going to be the first thing we put over our mouths you're supposed to put it over your mouth first and then help the person next to you and then if the, we have a, in the rare case i say this and i quote in the rare case of a water landing the boat the um sides of the emergency exit are going to become flotations stairs or slides whatever you want to call them and you can escape that way see i pretty much just told you everything you need to know there's also vest underneath the seat all those things. And it's like, I don't need to hear that. I really don't. You know, I've been on a plane before. I think if people would just give us free Wi-Fi, in order to get the Wi-Fi, you had to watch the safety demonstration, every single person would be informed. And I think I just came up with a genius idea, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. If you've been on a plane for any amount of time, I think that that, that's true. And I I really do think that Wi-Fi should be more of a priority. Um you know, over over safety precautions and stuff like that, because people use the Wi-Fi. They don't use the safety precautions. That's true. They don't use them at all. And and it's a good thing. It's a good thing they're not using them because that means we're not crashing planes. But, yeah, Wi-Fi is, is pretty much a, a hassle on a plane. I've never gotten in and I probably never will, but um, definitely should be more of a priority. I'll, I'll say this real quick. Um, just because I feel like it needs to be said in case United Airlines is listening. I flew United to uh, – to see Nate this weekend. Uh, I took some golf clubs. He mentioned we played golf. Um, we had a great time with golf. But United, on the way there, simply didn't ship my clubs. And I don't know how else to say that. It sounds it sounds asinine, I know. I paid money to have those clubs shipped um, from Newark, New Jersey Airport to Cincinnati. And they just, when I arrived in Cincinnati, my clubs didn't arrive. So I went to the desk and I said, Hey guys, I have this ticket here for these clubs. They're not here. Can someone tell me where they are? And the woman said, Oh, I'm sorry. They're still in Newark. And that didn't make sense to me because I wasn't in Newark anymore. I paid to have those clubs come with me on the plane from Newark to Cincinnati. So what she said and she, you know, did the best she could. Truthfully, she did. Uh, she said, well, have them to wherever you're staying tomorrow. They'll get there tomorrow. No extra charge. Like, we'll just make sure we, it's our mistake. We'll make sure they're there. And I was fine with that. That was a good settlement for me. I probably should have protested a little bit more, but they did get there the next day. The problem is they got there the next day at like 4 p.m. Let's just say that I had a tea time at like 8 in the morning the next day. What would I have done? I would have no clubs. And I, I don't get that. And Nate mentioned one time uh, when we did a pet peeve of the week that he his biggest pet peeve is like when you have one job and you just don't do it, that's extremely frustrating for him. And and yesterday, or not yesterday, this weekend, I experienced that. I experienced that the, they had one job to ship my clubs with me on the plane and they just didn't do it. Nate knows my frustration and he saw this weekend that come to full fruition. But do you agree if I had a tea time at eight in the morning, I would have just been out of luck for the whole weekend. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I do want to throw this one in for free here. 
it was great customer service what they did to get it there the next day but great customer service is not necessary if you do the job right first right um that's exactly so i i do i do appreciate that they got the clubs to you but it seems to me they just didn't do the job right in the first place great customer service always seems to follow bad customer service so there's really no reason why we should have that second step of good customer service if you just did it right the first time. right and as you see it ended at the second level of of customer service it always ends with a good customer service it never ends with bad customer service that's right so uh the last thing obviously my topics this week are very plane themed i was on a lot of planes i'll be on another plane tomorrow um but I noticed that there are people, and there's also like a way to do it on my suitcase. People lock their luggage. They'll put like a little bitty padlock on luggage and between like the zippers or whatever. Some people even have gone as far. There's these new things like these little straps you can like send around your luggage and then you can lock that too. So you can't open it that way either. And I think that that, is people that live in fear. Um, I've not once ever even considered that when I send my luggage with, let's say, United Airlines, though they did drop the ball on my golf clubs, I've never thought that somebody in the back that transports it from the desk to the airplane, I've never once thought they might go through my stuff. And truthfully, I don't put anything in my suitcase that's really valuable anyway. I haven't been on like some exotic vacation where you bring back like expensive souvenirs. That wouldn't be me anyway. But I think that somebody that locks their suitcase lives in total fear of what the world might do around them. And that seems like a very, very isolating way to live. And truthfully, just silly. It's just silly if you're actually taking the time to lock your luggage. And then when you get the luggage, you have to unlock it and go through your things and see if they're missing. Or if you're not locking it, like how much anxiety is going through your mind that you didn't put that lock on there? That just seems like something I would never do. Yeah, and McCarty and I disagree on a lot of the, uh, a lot of the privacy things. Like I lock my home, I lock my car, but I got to be honest with you, I would never lock a suitcase. I think that Nate's – he okay – that's true. We do disagree on a lot of privacy things. Like I, I don't lock my apartment as soon as I come in. I lock it at night. Okay, I'm not an insane person. But Nate locks the bathroom door when he just goes to brush his teeth. Like that's crazy. I mean, that's like living in super fear of of somebody just like all the time in your house. It actually is surprising to me that you wouldn't lock your luggage. Honestly, all right, I pee with the door open, so I resent the fact that you said that. I don't. What? Well, Go ahead, fine. Go ahead and defend yourself. I don't yourself. lock the door when I brush my teeth. However, I do lock it when I come in the house. I think not. Uh, Nate actually locks. So when he takes the trash out, he locks the garbage can lid <laughs> so that no one will take his garbage. Like he's that he's that terrified of living of of somebody taking his stuff. And you know what? He makes a good point. Every time we have an argument about it, and it's frequently. Trust me, it's frequently. No one's ever taken anything from him because he's so secure with his things. I got to be honest. I've had people take stuff from me when I was growing up. Our house was robbed a couple of times um, because the, not because the doors were unlocked, but because the neighborhood was unsafe, but I've left my car unlocked and had some things taken from my car. So you do the math on like what's safe or what's not. It just seems like a lot of effort that people go into to lock their things. 
I think in the long run, though, like like you talked about, you've had some things taken from you, and the amount of time that it takes to to lock things up pales in comparison to uh, canceling credit cards or having to buy something new. Yeah, maybe. I think I just trust people. I think a general theme of my life is that I have a lot of faith in humanity, and uh, I like to see the good in people, despite how annoying some of the things are that I talk about on this podcast, and there are plenty Uh, I think if you made a list of all the things that I constantly complain about on here, it'd be a very, very long list. Uh, It would probably take you 30 minutes just to read the list. Um, But I don't lock things and I don't understand people that lock luggage. The little band around the suitcase, uh, if you could see me now, my hand is spinning in a circle to say that I'm going around the suitcase. Um, I think that there's like that one's twofold. One is like people are super scared of, apparently anybody taking stuff from their bag. Um, but also that's like, they throw your bags around. That's not a secret. You know, they like when the people get it off the conveyor belt and it's like going to the plane, they don't care. They see bags all day, every day. There's nothing special about your bag. They throw them. They put stuff on top of them. They don't, they, I mean, they don't care. And that band is so that it doesn't like bust open or it doesn't pop. If your zipper pops, it still stays shut. And I like, I kind of support that a little bit. I'm never going to do it. If someone gave it to me as a gift, I might use it. It kind of seems like a gift that you'd get in like a dirty Santa party or something like something nobody really wants or no one's ever paid money for, but somehow you have it. And then there's the people that go to the extreme. They have like the miniature, the smallest little padlock you could ever get. And it's like the key to that must be tiny. I don't even know how you keep up with it. But then they lock their zippers together so that nobody can get in there. And I, that just seems crazy to What's me. What's a dirty Santa? Um, oh, what do people in the North call it? White, uh, a white elephant? What, what white elephant. Yeah, that, it's the same thing. They call it dirty Santa in the South, huh? Yeah, they do, you know, because, you know, you give, first of all, you give terrible gifts, or at least that's what I've kind of grown up doing. And then you steal gifts if you want it, or if you want to get rid of what you have, you switch it. Uh, And that seems kind of dirty. You know, it seems like something Santa wouldn't normally do. And uh, yeah, so we called it Dirty Santa. If we have any uh, children listening to this podcast, Santa is not dirty. That's just what we call this event, I guess. Yeah, and uh, he's real too. Yes. Definitely real. Um, I will say I saw uh, I had a couple interactions with old people recently. And by old, I mean, um, I'm not going to give an age because I'm terrible at like judging uh, what people's age is when I look at them. But like old, you know, like old enough to have grandkids and maybe even great grandkids. Like that's that's sort of the level that we're talking here. And I had to go to the library for something to print something off the other day um, for my new apartment complex and just the oldest people on the earth are using library computers. Okay. And look, the library is very helpful. It was, and you pay like 10 cents or something, a page to print it out. And the computers are free. If you want to just like get on the internet, I don't know what these old people are looking at, but it seems to me that the only computers they feel like they can use in the world are the ones at the library and part of that is they don't use it enough to like buy their own to put the time and effort and money into buying their own i get that but i swear to you these computers are built for old people like the keyboards were extra big so that they could like see the letters the mouse was like i i felt like i could use it if i was using a baseball glove i mean it was huge 
I felt like the buttons were as big as my palm. So I was, uh, I was like moving it with my whole arm. It was like a workout almost. Uh, and then the screens are huge and the font is like 72. Like it's huge. So you have to scroll forever just to read one sentence. And just the oldest people that I've ever seen in my life are using these computers. I have no idea what they could be looking at on these computers. Nate, give me your best guess of what you think these old people are looking at. And the only thing I could really just think of at the top of my head is, is at some point they were in the library and somebody showed them that like, you can read the book on here and there's a tool that zooms in for you to, you know, to make the words huge. That's the only thing that I can think of. I think that maybe some of them are looking at their, like they have Facebooks. I feel like old, like really old people have Facebooks and they've learned how to look at their grandkids or their kids Facebook. And all they do is just sit there and scroll through like the 10 pictures they know how to click on. And they just do that over and over and over. Or they're looking at like, doing some sort of newspaper research. Somebody showed them how to use like one of the reference guides on the computer where you could look up like old newspaper clippings and they're just reminiscing, you know, they're just reminiscing about the one time the, the drugstore closed or the bike, new bike store opened and they went and got their first bike, something like that. But I can't imagine they're doing anything productive. You know, my, uh, my grandpa and my great uncle are, are really into as, as old individuals is finding, uh, spare change on the ground they're into that they're very into it like to the point where uh you know we're sitting at, at a table and they're like you know that vending machine at uh you know wh- whatever place they're like have you looked under that before and they're like oh yeah that's you know that's usually got a ton of good ones so you, you're talking about vending machines are like a cracker barrel yeah i mean like does do cracker barrel have vending machines I don't know, but I just feel like that's the only place that old people are. Like, uh, you know, they're passing, they're passing a, um, you know, they're passing a store or something. There's an outdoor vending machine. They just like, hey, let's pull in here and and check it out, and they do. I'm gonna tell you where those things exist. That's Kmart. Hey, Kmart has. I know you're about what you're about to say, and I'm gonna let you say it. But Kmart, they got vending machines with pennies under it. That's what I believe. Yeah, and I, I do think that's true, and I think they need to collect those pennies and. Uh, do whatever they can to put it back in the store because they're just out of money. They got zero money, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it, they are quite literally closing down. Yeah, they need to, I mean, at this point, I think they're selling buildings. But I mean, I you know, complete rebrand. Uh, I think I think you have a pretty good bit on on talking about Kmart. If you want to go with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to go into it like totally. Um, simply because it's not my bit. I, I really, my favorite comedian, Nate Bargatze. Uh, he has a hilarious bit on Kmart. But I will say I agree with everything he says. If you want to know what it is, you just look it up. Look up Nate Bargatze Kmart. You'll agree with everything he says. Um, I grew up with a Kmart. Um, I wouldn't say that I went there frequently. As a matter of fact, I would say I stayed away from it like it was a haunted house almost because that those places. I mean, they seriously don't even look open every time they're in there. And if you go in there, there's never enough people working, never. So it's like obviously a terrible place to work or they can't afford to pay their staff. But I always remember the Kmart's had, um, you you put like a quarter in the little machine and it's got like a little toy horse on it that moves back and forth. Like that's exactly what you'd see outside of Kmart. And I think that's what they were making their money on. And you see how that turned out for them. Yeah. And we, we do have one closing in Richmond and, and there was a big announcement. And I think even some people left in the comments, like I thought that closed 10 years ago, um, which is a real shame. But when you go in there, they have no, 
identity other than being known for how are they still open? And that's not a good identity to have. No, it's not. And let, you know, unless you embrace it, you know, they could probably start a pretty successful marketing campaign on Kmart. Guess what? We're still open. You know, like something like that, if they would just embrace it, but the fact that they just never have stuff in there, if like you can't be a store and not have stuff or not have people to sell it. Cause if there's no employees in there, you're going to struggle too. Uh, yeah, Kmart's terrible. I think we can all agree on that. They're closing apparently by the end of the year, if you didn't know. Um, and then you just don't, go in there. Maybe they'll have stuff on sale. I don't know if they have anything left, but Kmart's terrible. Yeah, and I think you just kind of, you, you touched on something that people don't think about. You just came up with a marketing campaign, number one, that probably nobody's ever used before because it's a pretty bad, it's a pretty bad way to be, but it's also better than doing nothing for the last however long that they've been open doing nothing. Exactly. And look, there's a dangerous place to be when you start getting recognized for something poor about your brand. I'll give you a perfect example. Buffalo Wild Wings. This one's free, as Nate said, for all you guys. Buffalo Wild Wings, you need to stay away from that place because I think in their training on how to open a new Buffalo Wild Wings franchise, you have to start with poor customer service. You have to. If you have good customer service, you're going to turn into uh, Wingstop, which is my favorite wing place of all time. It's the best ever. I highly recommend it. But if, you're, if your customer service is poor, you can be a Buffalo Wild Wings. If it gets better, you're going to start being other wing places that you didn't intend to be. Because Buffalo Wild Wings service is terrible. Not only is their food not good, I used to think it was great until I experienced any other kind of food in the world. And then you realize that their food is super average on top of below, way below average customer service. And you just have something that you don't want to be known for. Buffalo Wild Wings is doing fine. They're going to stay open for a long time because their wings are cheap. They create a good atmosphere, but their service is absolutely terrible. So if you go into a, if you go into a beat ups, as we call it in the, uh, Midwest. If you go into the B-dubs and they have good customer service, I'd look for another restaurant. Yeah, well, it's you're in the wrong place. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Is if you go in there, you think you're walking into a Buffalo Wild Wings, and you sit down, you're there for five minutes, and you realize that somebody's already taken your drink order. They've asked you if you want appetizers. They've already. They've seen like they are having a good day. They're trying to make your experience the best. You're probably just not at a Buffalo Wild Wings. I'll tell you that right now. You're probably sitting at some fancy restaurant. And you're about to pay twenty five dollars a person because you're not at a Buffalo Wild Wings. You sound extra fancy, especially when you're talking about it. And then you hit that drink with the ice cubes. That's not right. Look, fancy. I'll do it again. Oh, my, my my ice is melting. I don't even have an ice maker in my apartment. I have, man, it's tough out here. I be, I got to make my own ice every week. I got ice trays. I got water. I freeze them. I pull them out. You crack them open a little bit. You pour them into the glass. And now we have glass or we have ice water in a glass. It's a beautiful thing. McCarty, we don't have a terrible amount of time left, but I think that it'd be cool to in full transparency with the audience that we have to uh, let them know that you got a new job. I don't know if you did that last week or not. I did not. I haven't fully, uh, I haven't fully explained what this new transition in my life will be. Um, he's right. Nate's right. I have a new job coming up. I've, I think I've mentioned it in passing a little bit, um, but in full transparency. So you guys are caught up on us. Um, I will be moving to the Atlanta area uh, in two weeks, two weeks, almost to the day. Um, I'll moving to Atlanta to work for an e-sports organization in Atlanta. Um, 
I don't, I don't, the, the specifics aren't relevant. It's a call of duty team, uh, along with an overwatch team. If you don't know what those are, those are two separate video games that have now franchised, uh, into creating a league, just like the NBA or the NFL, uh, major league baseball, same thing, like teams representing a city playing a game. Uh, it's the same concept. They're just playing a video game instead of a real sport. Um, so I'll work for these two teams and I will be managing their events. That's essentially what it is. They have home stands or they have home games just like re- traditional sports do. Um, so I'll be managing those events. I'm super excited about the opportunity. Um, esports is a very uh, new industry, but growing strongly. Uh, essentially, my generation and Nate's generation, we grew up playing video games our whole life and basically just didn't want to stop. So we figured out a way to monetize it. Uh, and I'm sort of like in that new generation of people that have monetized esports uh, that are making careers out of it. Uh, and I'm super excited about it. In two weeks, I'll be moving to the Atlanta area from New Jersey, where I've been for two years. Um, so I'm excited. It's, it's going to be a long transition, but I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, and, and I think that uh, as this podcast continues and develops, I'm sure we'll be talking about esports a little bit more. Um, sort of bringing you into my new job and what I'm passionate about. And Nate's also passionate about it. So I'm sure we'll have more content regarding that. Yeah. So if you, if you guys follow McCarty on the social media, just shoot him a message saying congrats. And we'll have, uh, we'll have some new, some new folks from the Atlanta area joining the, uh, joining the podcast. That's true. We're looking forward to it. Uh, and we are going to start, I think, uh, at least somewhat near future, having more guests on the show. Um, the platform that we use to record uh, is good for recording remotely, but um, also limited in like how many people can talk at the same time and stuff like that. So look forward to that in the future uh, as we continue to develop the podcast. Um, but happy to have Nate back and uh, we'll be doing this again every week. Nate, why don't you close this out? All right, thanks everybody for uh, joining us. Like McCarty said in the beginning, if you if you like this podcast, be telling your friends about it. Um, continue to share it. We have a pretty strong audience um, base so far, and we're looking to uh, to influence more people with our infinite wisdom on uh, every kind of topic you could possibly think of. If you have any topics you want us to discuss, um, shoot us a message. You know, track us down. It's pretty easy to find McCarty on social media because his name's McCarty. Um, and that's M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. So look him up and we'll, uh, we'll answer any questions or any topics that you might have. Cardi, you want to say goodbye? Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you guys next week. Love you guys. <laughs>